Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ultras Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Ahmed, and with me is Al-Basha. What's going on, Ahmed? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, man. Another day, another group. Another day, another group. And this today's group is going to be Group F. Uh, it's the... <coughs> It's a including Belgium, Canada, Croatia, and Morocco, and it's a, one of the toughest groups that I can see in the in the World Cup. Obviously, uh, three, four strong teams, or three of the four are pretty strong teams uh, were included in the last World Cup. Uh, Belgium, obviously, in third place, Croatia in second place, and uh, last in last year's uh, or sorry, in the last edition of the World Cup, and uh, Canada back. Have been in the World Cup for 36 years, and then joined by Morocco, uh, who was in last in last edition, reached the group stage, did all right, but uh, couldn't make it to the next stage. Uh, so we'll start off with the first group, and that is uh, Belgium, uh, unexpected team in the last couple of uh, uh, world in the last couple of World Cups to reach you know the quarterfinals at least multiple times. Well, uh, Martinez with uh, Belgium, he's been having a great record with him um, since he took over back in, I think it was 2016 with Belgium. Uh, he had been reaching the, at least the quarterfinals with the team. Um, this is uh, the, the golden um, era for Belgium. A lot of talents, a lot of names. Um, especially, especially in uh, midfield and offense. So there's a lot of talent out there. Belgium, as you see, they're ranked number two in the world. Uh, it's always high, high expectations. And comparing Belgium and their small population uh, with high ambition, with a lot of stars, it's uh, they got a pretty unique uh, experience. Well, let's look at the squad because it's a very... Uh... It's a very great squad, to be honest, looking at it. Martinez has called up, uh, obviously, at first uh, for, with the keepers. Uh, Mignolet, who plays for Club Rouge, and, you know, as uh, watching Champions League this year, top of their table, I think, or if not second, uh, and it was a tough uh, a tough uh, group for them, followed by Castiles uh, from Wolfsburg, and obviously uh, world-class Thibaut Courtois, who is a keeper for Real Madrid, and uh, champion, multiple Champions League winner. Um if you remember Manuelia, he used to be with. Um, I with believe Liverpool it was Arsenal. Well. Ars Arsenal Liverpool. or Liverpool? Right, Liverpool right. Yeah, before uh, they got Allison. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's obviously world class keepers. Uh, so there's definitely going to be some tough games for the other teams uh, to getting across that line. And now we move on to the defenders. And, uh, you know, another looking at, looking at that list right there, uh, you know, we have Vertongen, Alderweireld. Um, you know, Castagne, Faze, uh, Tete, and uh, Debast. And, you know, from that list, we can see uh, some, you know, Lister's two players right there, Castagne and Faze, who you can see right away, you know, work, would work well together on the on the team. And then we have uh, Borussia Dortmund's Moiner, uh, Anderlecht's uh, Debast, so, and another Anderlecht, Vertonghen. So that chemistry is there. Mm -hmm. The two players, the two defenders, and especially that uh, Vertonghen, uh, he's a veteran of the um, of uh, for Belgium. Alderweireld has been playing with them for a while, a, minu a millionaire. He's been uh, a very good player, despite the injury he got called up. Very good player in defense for uh, Belgium. No, definitely, and 
And as a veteran, you know, and somebody who's reached the semifinals, barely losing, I believe it was to France 1-0 in that semifinals. So, you know, he has that experience. He can bring that on for the rest of the team and, uh, you know, even push the rest of the team as to, you know, maybe even reaching the finals this time. Uh, let's move on to the midfielders here. Another great list, realistically speaking. And, you know, for a team like Belgium, this is a, as people are saying, is it, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them. Uh, mm-hmm. They've never really had this chance of getting that many great players, uh, well-rounded players all at once. So it is the golden age for Belgium. And if we look at them, you know, Axel Witzel, world-class player, uh, Mertens, obviously one of the remote, one of the best midfielders of of this time right now is Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, Van Aken, Hazard, uh, and this is not Real Madrid's uh, failure, but this is <laughs> the younger brother. Hazard. This is the younger brother. <laughs> the younger brother. Um, Atletico Madrid's Carrasco, uh, Dendonker, uh, Tailmans, Doku, and Onana. And uh, looking at that, we have players obviously from different leagues, but you know, all major leagues definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Look, um, for we're, um, Belgium generally, um, I didn't want to get to the analysis before we finish off the uh, the, the formation. But uh, w- generally, uh, Belgium's strength uh, comes from uh, midfield. There's it's, the midfield is stacked with players. Uh, uh, Ad- uh, Amado Onana, who's you know. Uh, born in Senegal, but he represents Belgium. He's a young uh, defensive midfield coming up for Belgium. Uh, Mertens at 35, uh, he gets that. He's one of the veterans for Belgium. That experience uh, with Napoli for long years, so he has that defensive mentality and the offensive mentality. You know, Mertens and Insigne and and all those great players that used to play for Napoli, and now you know, with, before they got fresh new blood with Napoli, Mertens was one of the key players for Napoli. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, you know, I don't want to. Nothing. Need, nothing really needs to be said about yeah, Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. I mean, yeah. it's a, I don't, I don't want to offend any other player within Belgium, but he is the greatest talent in the team. He's one of a, definitely one and very unique style of playing. Witzel also. Uh, is a very good midfielder as well. Yeah, very yeah. good with that defensive mentality that uh, he has already, and he and, and that's being reinforced with a defensive mentality coach such as uh, Simeone in Atletico Madrid. So he's bringing that mentality to uh, to the Belgium national team. Telemans, he's one of the most wanted stars from all big teams. I don't think we need to say much about him. Uh, him being with Lister and. In total, there are three players from Lister, which is going to be growth in chemistry as we go back and we reinforce that fact when it comes to Belgium. So, and uh, Doko actually, Doko is a player to watch out for. So, definitely, Doko, Doko with uh, Rain, he's going to be, you know, how uh, Chimini and uh, and uh, and uh, Kamavinga. Kamavinga they come, they came from mid tiered, uh, mid tiered. French teams, Doko might be one of those players that might be a catch for a big team, and we're gonna because he's one of the he's one of the talents that everyone is waiting for him to shine, and they want to grab him before he gets the world attention. That's what Madrid did with Camavinga and Chouamini, and that's why they grabbed him. So I don't know, you know how they're saying Madrid are trying to get some talents from the World Cup, and now they do the big deals. So we'll see how much times in the World Cup. That might be a grab for Real Madrid. All right, now let's let's move on to the attackers. Um... Another great list, to be honest, here. And we got Aiden Hazard. Uh, I mean, yes, he has not been performing with Real Madrid that much, but 
we always see him, you know, step up with the Belgium games. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, he is injured, but hopefully we get to see him play this uh, this edition of the World Cup. But Shuai, but Shuai, you know, uh, another name, Ketelare, uh, Openda, and Trossard. And so, we you know, we can see right away that the Belgian team really has that golden team. Uh, ranked number two in the world, uh, reached fourth place in Euro, uh, losing to Italy in the semifinals. Uh, also, you know, reaching that 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 last game for them in the World Cup was was very important against uh, that one nil loss against France. France. And that just shows yeah. you what kind of team Belgium really is. Um, right there, we have the uh, projected lineup. Obviously, Thibaut Courtois in the, in keeper, Bertongen, Alderweireld, and De Bast in the back three. Uh, Carrasco, Axel Witzel, Telemans, and uh, Müller all in the midfield with Hazard, Lukaku, and De Bruyne uh, at the front. And, and, and the question here is really, do you think that is a good position for Kevin De Bruyne to be in? Um, well, I, I was, okay, something about uh, Martins. So Martins uh, have always been known with this, this formation, 3-4-3. Uh, three four three since he was with Wigan since uh, with an athletic when Martins used to coach him. Um, now De Bruyne he might be a little a little fluid right because uh, Telemans uh, also if you look at him playing with Lister he has that attacking midfield you know what I mean and De Bruyne might be you know how we were ta- when we were talking about Neymar and how he's going to be fluid around the team we might see that with De Bruyne as well so De Bruyne might not stick to that positioning necessarily with 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 Belgium uh I think on paper it looks like De Bruyne is going to be on the right side but I think uh he is, is it, it's going to be a bit fluid you know what I mean uh because De Bruyne he can you know with Man City we've seen him being in the attacking midfield and how he's doing great work uh but with Belgium there's one important key that that Belgium has an advantage comparing to a lot of and most teams in um, in the World Cup it's the chemistry that he has with a lot of the players a lot of these players know each other already so even though that you're going to put them at the 343 in paper on, on paper uh the chemistry that's on with the coach and with the players uh, that that great relationship between all of them um, is gonna, you know, they're gonna be able to cover for each other. They're gonna be able to understand that, you know, what De Bruyne might be listed here that as a as a right as a right uh, winger, but no, we know that De Bruyne. We might see him on the left. We might see him below Lukaku and, and Hazard. You know, we might see. Right. You see, you see how Carrasco, Carrasco, uh, you see him as a midfielder, but you see him going back and forth on flanks and uh, with his speed, uh, with Carrasco and uh, Manuel. Their speed, whether being you know one being Atletico Madrid and one being with Dortmund, uh, one of the key successes for Martins with his tactics was those two two uh, wing wings on the on, on the left being uh, Carrasco on the right being uh, uh, Munier uh, uh, on his games generally. Uh, so so I don't I don't necessarily I don't think that De Bruyne is actually going to just stick to that tactic generally and i think and i think one of the good points for for uh, for belgium and and the world cup is that they fully trust martins as a coach uh, uh vertongen said a lot of positive things about martins and how he's very close in relationship with the players um and same thing with hazard he's had a lot of good hazard eden hazard he's had a lot of good points about uh about uh, the coach as well as martins so you know, uh, 
th those little things might make a difference uh, when making up a formation. Right, right. And but the thing here, we we can see Lukaku spearheading the uh, the attack, and we are not expecting to see him at least in the first game, I believe, because he's not expected to. He's play just making from, it back from the injury. Right. He's just recovering and all that. Yeah. And do you think that's going to have an effect on the first game? It's going to be against, um, I believe it is Croatia. Let me just check just to make sure. But uh, sorry, it's against Canada. So will it be important that Lukaku is on the field that day? Well, um, you know, it's, um, Lukaku is very, he might be the most important uh, striker. He is uh, Belgium's and, top scorer. Uh, of all time. He's of all time, yes. He's their top scorer in the World Cup. Uh, in the last edition, in 2018, he had four goals. Uh, he has 68 goals with Belgium compared to Eden Hazard's 33. So you can tell right away that Lukaku is the most important striker, if not now, of all time. I think uh, Mart Martens might be a bit, uh, you know, he's going to have the mentality of someone on a budget. How am I going to yeah. get the most out of Lukaku with his his strength without him being fully recovered from the injury or or still making it back so if you look at uh generally Bachwaye, i'm trying to remember Bachwaye. i think he was with chelsea before uh as far as i remember uh used to come off bench uh and and play amazingly so what will happen is i think that there might be a Bachwaye lokako switch when it comes to form uh, su uh su substitutions or if Lukaku's not fully recovered and Martins think that he needs to rest him, uh, he might he might do a, a Trossard, uh, Eden Hazard, uh, and De Bruyne up in the top three because Trossard did start for Belgium before. Uh, De Catlare, uh, the Milan's new signing this year, they signed him for 35 million uh, euros. Uh, he is said to be the, one of the greatest talents coming up right now in Belgium. Uh, there's a lot of high expectation on him. He didn't meet those expectations this season with Milan. I think it's because of the uh, because of the a lot of pressure on and 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 that they're putting on him and making him seem like he's the next De Bruyne. You know what I mean? Especially that he's ranked as a attacking midfield. So I think there's going to be a little switch around. You might see Trossard, Betchway, and Hazard starting up up front, and you might see De Bruyne going back to the midfield. You know what I mean? Right. So these are all uh, possibilities. So I think. I don't know. I think that Lukaku might not play the first game. I don't think Martin's going to risk it. Yeah. And the most important thing that I also wanted to mention was the fact that Thierry Henry, Martin's right hand, is also uh, helping him out when choosing the best strikers and who should, you know, as, as Thierry Henry's experience of being a striker, we can we know that he's going to know what kind of uh, striker he need to have on and what kind of capabilities... All, all those little assets that he has from years of experience with Barcelona and Arsenal is going to assist Martins in choosing as the well, right striker for him. As well as the World Cup. I mean, uh, Terry Henry does have that. Uh, he is a veteran of the World Cup. He is True. a World Cup. He is a finalist. He is a World Cup winner with France. Um, he scored that very important goal against Brazil, if you remember, uh, by with Zidane's uh, cross, which was a yeah. spectacular goal. But yeah, uh, let's move on. Just uh, just before, just move on from the squad. <clears throat> Uh, Belgium's World Cup history is only isn't one that is uh, that is very big. It's only had 14 appearances. Uh, it's reached the semifinals. So this is the golden age for Belgium, uh, and that's the farthest that it's been. Do, do you expect that they can reach this far this time and win the, or win, win the World Cup? There are two disadvantages when it comes to Belgium, and 
and and it's questionable when it comes to uh, to, to to Belgium. First thing is the uh, age. the The average age for Belgium is pretty high. It's one of the highest in the competition. Um, you know, given that Mertens is, uh, we're saying he's 35, and then the saying De Bruyne is uh, 31, and then you got Lukaku 29. Uh, but, but even, Shway, but even, but even looking at their ages, I mean, I don't, does it really make a difference when you see a player like Kevin De Bruyne is 31 going to be that diff- like it's not? Uh, no, necessarily because we've yeah. seen. If you remember 2006, when there was the end of an era of a lot of players with France and the average age. Um, and not that just that. Uh, when I remember when Milan won their last Champions League and they had the highest average age in the competition, you know, those are just the points that are used to an analysis to say that that might be a disadvantage now and weakness. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to be a weakness in their mentality. They might look at it as in motivation that, you know what, this is the last time for us a lot of us that were going to play the World Cup. So let's just perform the best that we can and let's make a legacy for us. We, we became third and we've been making it to the quarterfinals, all of us as a squad and a lot of us as names. Let's make it. And especially like players like Lukaku and Eden Hazard who have big names and they're going to be known for a long time, they want to print it in gold and they want to right. get that World Cup. Another biggest weakness that I see is defense. And that has been a question from a long time with Belgium, with uh, Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen. But I'm interested to see if the Bast and Castagne and if Faig are going to make a difference with that. With that, But you are going to need the veterans' experience, especially like Vertonghen or Alderweireld. So I don't know. That's the, the, that's the biggest uh, weakness that mostly a lot of analysts point out when it comes to Belgium. All right, sounds great, and uh, we'll move on with the uh, with the, their matches. Uh, the first match is going to be against Canada on November twenty third, followed by uh, Morocco's game on the twenty seventh, and they're going to be playing finally in Croatia on December the first, which I think is going to be the most crucial game for them. Uh, it is. It is going to be. Uh, uh, you know, the 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 weird thing is that I'm 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 a bit surprised that Belgium are going to be playing Egypt on a friendly this coming up. Uh, uh, Friday, and it's only going to be only a few a few handful of days before the World Cup. I think that game, I believe that game, that friendly is going to be in, uh, on in the UAE 18th. on the yeah, on the 18th, which is Friday. 18th, I think yeah. it's going to be in UAE, which is close by to Qatar. But but I think there's a risk there. He's running. I don't know why they scheduled to play that friendly. But do you think uh, that's going to give them an advantage playing against Morocco? Um. You mean to be prepared as an African team, like on Africa yeah, slash yeah. Arabic team? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think Morocco has a stronger team than Egypt. We're gonna Definitely when we get no. to when we get to Morocco, we're gonna see a lot of the advantages that they have. And I don't think, as the current squad, I think Morocco is a stronger team. Not just because they made it to the World Cup. We're gonna look individually at all the players and how they're better yeah. than a lot of players within the Egyptian team. But I think I think that's a disadvantage of you playing only a few days before the World Cup like that. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll All right, then let's move on, I guess, to the next team. Uh, second time appearance for them. They haven't made it to the World Cup in 36 years. It's uh, the Canadian team uh, with their superstar, uh, Bayern Munich's uh, Alfonso Davies. Uh, let's look at the squad. I know you have it up right there. And so Canada, the, uh, Canada, our team, and right? We got to be cheering for them. <laughs> now, this is the this is, in this group, when it comes to this group, is definitely going to be Canada, of course. Go, Canada, go. And um, it's an excitement. It's, it's exciting to see the Canadian team finally make it. Um, they're going to be starting off with the goalkeepers, uh, Borjan, uh, 
Pantemis and St. Clair, who plays for uh, Minnesota United. Uh, Pantemis plays for FC Montreal, uh, CF Montreal, I guess in this case. And uh, Borjan plays for Belgrade. So we see that little, um, there is there is some experience here, you know, within the MLS and within Europe. Uh, Borjan is actually one of the old veterans within the national team. Uh, so, and he, and uh, as a goalkeeper, from from uh, herdsman the the coach uh he's the one he that's the goalie that he chooses to start for him the game so yeah i think i think canada are pretty in pretty safe hands uh, i think he's a he's a good goalie good goalkeeper let's move on to the defenders here we got adeko gobe uh, cornelius uh johnston laria uh, miller vittoria and waterman and if you know looking at those names there's a few familiar names for me that, that can stand out to me um well what are your thoughts on that um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Canadian uh, teams, and not just the yeah. fact that they play for the MLS, but a lot of Canadian teams. Three defenders that are within the same team, because right. for chemistry. Uh, but you know, the most player that will stand out out of the, those ones are is Alfonso Davis, who's just making it back from injury. It was a risky one, if you remember that concussion that he came yeah. after one of the games in the in the Bundesliga in Germany. But. Uh, um, I but mean, the, and you got Hoyle to place for reading, he, so he got that English uh, experience. Uh, I know that reading this year are in the uh, championship, but regardless, you know, even a championship team can produce a lot of good players. We're going to see right, a lot right. of championship, championship uh, uh, players in the World Cup. No, definitely. Um, and moving on to the midfielders here, and I know that yeah, the the lineup that you have is uh, is a bit mixed with what the Canadian team actually submitted to Qatar uh, because Alvonso Davies was submitted as a forward, which was uh, a bit peculiar in my, in, uh, from my, uh, from my point of view, but I'm just going to move on to the, even Hoylet, Hoylet was moved as a forward. And uh, yeah, you, you, you know, uh, um, a lot of times what happens is that in depending on um, the, some articles, when they're writing down the formations and the way they're presented, they will perf- they will submit those players as a certain position, right? Yeah, yeah. Now you would see them changing depending on the article or depending on the website or depending on you know what kind of app. Uh, generally, the a, a football or soccer app, uh, and it has to do for many different reasons. It has to do with first of all, has those players played in those different positions or not? Like Alfonso right. Davis, he has been pushed up to the midfield before, so that is a possibility there. You know, just yeah, like Al- just like if you remember. If you remember for for Austria when Alaba the defender he was yeah. pushed up forward so you have those kind of coaches that will risk it and say that Definitely. you know what we have those strengths we'll just push them up there so yeah uh, and so we'll move on to the midfielders we got Portos uh, uh, Eustachio uh, Fraser uh, Hutchinson Akaye uh, Kone Osario obviously Payet David uh, David and, and David Witherspoon and so we look at that and we see a few you know players again. Uh, CF Montreal, Toronto FC, and, and a few players from the European leagues, obviously. Yes. Uh, so, Stefan Estacu. Uh, no, not Stefan Estacu. Sorry. I'm trying to remember the name. There's a name in my head for a, for a Canadian player. There is a, um, there is a player who's going to be the oldest uh, in this World Cup uh, with the Canadian national team. Uh, yes, this guy. Atiba Hutchinson, yeah. Hutchinson, yes, yes, he's the oldest. He's the oldest player in the World Cup, and once he plays for Canada, he's going to be the oldest player ever to play <laughs> in the World Cup. And look, 
Um, he's playing for Bushikash. For you to play in Bushikash, in one of the top teams in in Turkey, and that competes also on the European level, that that shows some kind of there's something there. You know, there's yeah. something to fear. Experience, uh, veteran. You know, and uh, and uh, you know, the strength. Uh, he's very tall. He's a tall player. Uh, so there's that experience that that I like. I you see, I'm one of the advocates for having a lot of experience with the national team because that's what helps out. It's not just having a lot of young and talented players. You need a lot of experience. And I think Canada, Belgium, they have that. So with the goalkeeper for Canada, of course, uh, Borjan and uh, Hutchinson with uh, midfield as well. Yeah, I definitely see Osorio as well being very important to that midfield. But uh, let's move on to the forwards. We got Buchanan, uh, who plays for Club Rouge. Uh, Cavallini, uh, David, uh, obviously Alfonso Davies, uh, Hoyle, Larin, Larin, and uh, Miller and Ugbo. And so we, you know, there's a few familiar names that are standing out there. Besides Alfonso Davies, uh, we have Lauren, obviously, and uh, Buchanan, who both Jonathan play David. for Club Rouge. Yeah. And, and oh, I didn't even see David. And yeah, who plays for Lille and who, who was very important and crucial for the qualification uh, stage for them to get into the World Cup. That's true, and he was one of the key players when Lille won the uh, the league. Uh, um, I believe not last season, of course, the season before he was with Lille. David, one of the top scorers of the. Um, I think he is the, the top French scorer. League. I think he's the top scorer for the Canadian for the Canadian national team as well. Uh, I believe so. I believe so. I didn't yeah. check on that to be honest with you, but yeah. uh, he is one of the key players. So when you when uh, uh, the 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 most famous and the most known for the forward is definitely going to be Jonathan David. And I'm gonna bring up the, uh, you know, the projected uh, lineup that we're gonna have for Canada, and mm. the way, and the way that uh, Herdman been playing. You know, he has formations four two three one. He got three four three. He got uh, uh, four four uh, four four two. Generally, uh, sorry, four three three. Uh, it depends on what kind of game he switches those tactics around. Uh, Canada depends on if you look the way they were playing in the qualifiers. You, you would see them uh, depending a lot on small plays, short passes, uh, on speed as well. When ball comes, like when Barkan, the goalkeeper, gets the ball, you would see him passing to uh, Buchanan or to uh, Adikyo on both uh, on both wings, and they would speed up and go up um, and try to uh, pass the ball. And to whoever is in the box, the box, you would see Alfonso Davis being in the box a lot of times, and you also see David and Lauren being in the box. No, definitely, and uh, you know, uh, clearly from from him doing that, we can tell right away, and it has shown that it was successful. Uh, you know, in the during qualification, he won. He after qualification, uh, top of the table, beating teams like the United States, obviously, and Mexico. Uh, even Costa Rica, and then you know, letting go of it. Yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of it, you know, he rested the rest of the team. He didn't need to win those two games. He just wanted, you know, to rest the team for later. I believe it was the Gold Cup or something like that that was going on after. And so, uh, you know, that really worked for him. Yeah, he was. Um, it would it would have been nice. It would have been beautiful actually if if he continued on on the zero losses. Uh, the the record was amazing. Like even two three games before, looking at the fact that Canada haven't lost a game, and uh, and they were holding holding on with those zero losses. And I think the USA was zero losses. I think there were. Or Mexico. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, and then uh, Canada was holding off with those zero losses. And you know, I'm very happy and proud of the fact that Canada, you know, still held the first spot. 
You know, yeah. you're talking about your teams that are experienced of qualifying to the World Cup, especially like Mexico and USA. So yeah. it, was, it was a great, it was a great whole uh, um, uh, run for Canada to make it. You know, uh, for us in being in Canada. Uh, the whole country was celebrating the fact that they're going to the World Cup. Very unique and nice way of celebrations. It was, you know, the whole country are waiting for them to perform well in the World Cup. Right. And, uh, you know, a, a short, it's a very, uh, because it is our second appearance in the World Cup, it, we have a very short history. Uh, the last appearance in 86, we made it to the group stage. I believe lost all games. And since then, you know, it's been that 36 years that Canada, or I believe 36 or 38 years that Canada hasn't, made it 36 years yeah sorry about that one uh, that canada hasn't made it and so it's a it's a new experience for a lot of canadians for sure it is it is and they're competing against well experienced uh, teams morocco being to the world cup more than once uh croatia being the second the runner-up for the last <laughs> world cup and belgium being Belgium's the third the, i mean who you're gonna put france and then canada will be done or what? you're gonna be friends of the group <laughs> and that's the thing about canada's group is that canada is definitely the underdog if not in the world cup in this group as well and so you know, even if they catch, yes. it, even if they bring in three points or however many points they bring, it'll be seen as a an accomplishment right away. Look, man, I'll I'll be honest with you. The way they're talking about Canada, they're really undermining how how good Canada is. They're no, just definitely. saying, "Oh, it's Canada." Yeah. Well, let's see how you're going to play against them. That's my but, that's my thing. But Canada can take advantage of that. Uh, uh, you know, they are they're ranked as the number forty-one spot in the World Cup ranking in the World Cup rankings from FIFA, but. They can take advantage of that because there is no expectation. That's true. That's true. And I think, and I think, generally, Canadians are going to be happy um, with whatever good results that come up from. Let's say they perform well, you know, and they lose hardly from all these. Like they have very excellent games. They lose one. They win one. They tie. And let's say they leave the World Cup. I know that generally Canada are going to, you know, Canadians are going to be happy about it, but. Um, you know, can Canadians generally they're not very, very crazy when it comes to soccer. It's just beautiful to see them on the World Cup scene. But uh, what I what I can assure you is that um, uh, as one of the academic coach was saying to one of uh, my friends, he was telling him that Canada advanced a long, long way when it comes to to soccer, and and it, now is just the beginning of them making it to the world scene. So yeah. this won't be the last time they make it to the World Cup. You might see them going on to all the World Cups from now on. Oh, definitely. And I could, I could, I, I, I've seen it myself, you know, where I've seen the sport grow exponentially in Canada, um, especially in the last five to 10 years, I would say, compared to uh, 15 or 20 years ago when nobody knew what, what the rules are or how to play soccer or how do you know what I mean? True. Compared to now where you see people wearing soccer jerseys everywhere, you see people playing it all the time. Uh, people are walking around with soccer balls in their hands, knowing players, not just, you know, people like Messi or Ronaldo or whoever, but, you know, knowing the leagues, understanding the game. Yeah, uh, we got three uh, big uh, clubs uh, that play for the uh, MLS, uh, and we have the Canadian Premier League, and we have a lot of academies, a lot of people coming from outside, of, you know, outside of Canada, coming to Canada, migrating, and and they have already that soccer mentality in them, and they're bringing it to the Canadian soil, you know. And we know uh, one of the most famous stories, and to the most important start of that Canadian national team, Alfonso Davis, when he were where he was born in a in a refugee camp till he made it here, and he played. Uh, he was playing in Calgary, started up, then when he went to Whitecaps, uh, Vancouver, and then till he made it to Bayern Munich. So all those stories are are, uh, are um, you know uh, influential, and they're going to help up you know the Canadian soccer generally. Definitely. Um, now, Canada does have in their fixtures their first game is against Belgium. 
So it'll be a very tough game for them, and uh, hopefully we'll see that they perform well against that game, against Belgium in that game. And very hard, another, very hard. Well, it's going to get harder because they're going to be playing Croatia right after, and uh, that's you know that's that's a very it's going to be a very tough test in Canada in this World Cup. Definitely, definitely. For sure. And then you know, ending off with the Morocco on the first of December, and I, and a lot of people I've heard them say that you know this is the this is the best three points that Canada can try and get is the game against Morocco. Uh. It's going to depend on how how well they perform with Belgium and Croatia. Uh, it really it, it really it's really going to come down to that. You might see them tying Belgium and losing to Croatia. Um, you might see them, you know, getting a point. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I won't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a point from Croatia and Belgium. Then at that point, you will see them pushing as hard as they can against Morocco to yeah. secure those three points to go to the next round. But it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. It's it's a pretty interesting uh, group, honestly. All right, let's move on to the next team, and that is uh, semi or finalists in the last edition, 2018. Uh, just barely lost to to France, and that is Croatia. And I believe you pulled up the squad right there. And they're going to be led by uh, uh, Dalek, and his his choices for goalkeepers is Lekavokic. Yeah, he's. <laughs> we're back to the X. And yeah, you're getting confused, like the uh, Serbian last <laughs> name. Serbians, yes. Yeah, and Ivosic, and uh, you know, right here we got uh, you know the Atletico Madrid and Zagreb. So there is two prominent goalkeepers right there. Yes, definitely, definitely. That 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 uh, I know. Uh, Gabrik, unfortunately, he doesn't start up with Atletico Madrid. Uh, I mean, because they got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. That's going to be tough. But you have that uh, European experience when it comes to Atletico Madrid and Dinamo Zagreb, of course. All right. Uh, moving on to the defenders. Uh, obviously, we're just going to start off with Lovren. Uh, then moving on to uh, Vida, Barasic, Erlic, uh, Sosa, Granovic, uh, Stratic. Uh, Guardiol and Sotalu and you know right there we got Lovren and Sosa and you know we can see that there is some experience in that in, in that defense. Yes, uh, Lovren, the ex uh, Liverpool player, uh, long long years of uh, of uh, the English Premier League, whether being with Liverpool or Southampton, uh, he is definitely going to be one of the starters. And we have uh, Stan, uh, Stanisic with Bayern Munich. Uh, and uh, 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 Gasco, Gasco uh, Garvediol. He, so yeah. they're both German experiences. A lot of those teams are very, very good teams. Uh, despite the fact that uh, uh, Rangers with Barisic, uh, you know, haven't been performing the greatest, uh, and Ehrlich. Uh, with uh, Sassol, of course, he's not in the European scene, but he has that uh, Italian mentality, with the defensive one. So that's that's all gonna help. We're gonna look at we're gonna look, of course, after after uh, mentioning the formation of what uh, what the projected uh, uh, squad will be. All right, let's move on to the midfielders, and this is where uh, this is the strong suit, I believe, for Croatia, and uh, obviously world class superstar Modric. Leading that the forward, uh, that leading the midfielders and the Croatian team, uh, we got Perisic, uh, we got Kovacic, uh, Pasalic, uh, Javic, Mayor, and Sukic within the uh, Prozovic for Inter Milan. Uh, strong, yeah, strong midfielders. I think this is where. Uh, this I think this is where uh, Croatia's team can really shine. 
that's the that's the the, the strongest position for for uh, for uh, Croatia, and um, and even thinking about Croatia generally, uh, they they're a very organized uh, team uh, tactically that focuses a lot on ball positioning, and uh, I think that idea comes strictly from two different factors. One of them is being um, uh, their midfielders and their midfielders' mentality. You know, if Rakitic didn't retire, didn't retire uh, from uh, internationally, you would have seen him making a good combo with. Uh, it would have been a classic. Uh, Kovacic. It would have been a classic. It would have been a yeah. It would have been a classic with uh, Modric, Kovacic, and uh, and Rakitic. Uh, Rakitic. Of course, if if uh, we're gonna look at the projected lineup, but if if what if uh, the coach for Croatia decides to have four in the midfield, then Perl, uh, uh, Perisic. Perisic, Perisic on the um, on the left side uh, would be a, 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 a very very strong and uh, powerful asset because he's one of the key players for Tottenham and you would see him how Conti uses him because Conti's favorite positioning is 3-4-3. You would see him how he's using him on the left, on the left yeah. side going up and scoring. And of course, Brozovic, I mean, one of the key players for Inter Milan. So, and uh, and uh, Pasolic for Atalanta. So, man, you this midfield is one of the strongest in the World Cup. That's all we're all... Oh, de definitely, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, looking at the attackers now, we have uh, Kramaric, Orsic, uh, Divaha, uh, Budimir, Petkovic, and Vlasic. Um, what do you th what do you think about that? We have two from Dynamo, obviously, uh, from Dynamo Zagreb. So I, I, we have a little bit of chemistry here. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at uh, uh, Croatia's campaign in the in the World Cup, they're the only team that actually went uh, to the final without winning all their games. Right. They've actually taken all their games. To the uh, to the to the extra time or to the PKs to penalty kicks. Right. Uh, so you you know how kind of mentality they have. They have that mentality where we're gonna take this as long as possible in our way, in our mentality, in our tactics. Right. So they they already have that mentality because a lot of most of the there's a lot of players on this team that were on that squad. So that's one. Two. Um, for the reason for that happening generally is because they don't have a good goal scorer or a good finisher. So I do see that as being a weakness in compare uh, in comparison comparing uh, their their lineup to their midfield or other positioning. So I do see that as being a weakness. Uh, they don't have that top world class uh, goal finisher. Um, I'm, we're gonna get to tactics, of course, of the way they play and how they 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 usually score. But I I, I don't see the attackers as being uh, amazing or world class. But I do. It might be an issue. It might be an issue. But well, let's look, but at, let's look at the let's look at the yeah, projected lineup. So, projected lineup for Croatia. Of course, we are gonna have uh, we're gonna have um, Modric in the, yeah. in, the in, in the center, uh, and Brozovic and uh, Kovacic. See, four three three for uh, Dalek, uh, uh, Perisic up, and uh, Kramaric and uh, Pasalic. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No. What, what I was, was what I was going to say is that because having that midfield, uh, it's such a strong midfield that it kind of covers and overshadows the rest of the team. And so you know, Kovacic is going to be that you know that strong part of the, the midfield, and Modric's going to be lining up a lot of goals, especially for Perisic and Kramaric. 
So he's going to be sending those balls in where there's only going to need the only thing, the only thing they need really is to tap the ball in. Uh that's that's that that's a good point to bring up because I was gonna talk in a bit more details about the way they play and the way they finish up their game. It's it, it really depends a lot of times with uh, with long passes, uh, with long passes and dipping. You know, from yeah. whether being from uh, from the midfield, whether being from um, uh, from uh, Perisic. Uh, so. That's that's what they mainly depend on, and they're very good tactically when it comes to defense as well. And then when they're building up and when they're going all all up in offense. So when you're generally playing like that, you don't care who's going to be in the box. You just want anybody to score. Yeah. You're building everything from the sides. You're becoming up all together as an offense, and you're dipping the ball and dipping the ball and bringing it to that to that uh, to the box to the penalty area. Uh, needs very world class players of knowing where and who to pass it for. We know Perisic, right. Perisic is there. We know Modric is there. Uh, we know Kovacic as well. Um, I, I I personally think that the upper hand in the midfield is for Modric and Brozovic. Uh, uh, Brozovic. Not saying that Kovacic is bad, of course, but I'm saying that uh, I prefer both of those in the midfield. And we'll see. I mean, look, there's he has he has presence. Uh, 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 sorry, not Prizovic. So I was, th- I was thinking Prizovic in the for in the, in the forward. My bad, but but yeah, I I think that uh, uh, Priz- uh, uh, Prizovic is gonna be in a, in a, in in an addition in the midfield. So it might be a four four two. I don't know if he's gonna continue on with four three three. But yeah, we'll we'll wait and see how how Caruso are gonna play. Yeah, we can de- maybe we can definitely see Perisic playing that like you know as we mentioned earlier the Kevin De Bruyne or kind of Neymar Jr. kind of position where you know he has, he is free flowing, he's going to be able to play around with the midfield and then move up along from the left side where he you know his strength is his strength is usually on the left and that's yeah. what Conte depends on him with Tottenham. Right, yeah, no, he's definitely well, we can definitely see him flowing from that Kovacic side because I, I can I can see Kovacic holding it back and staying in the back behind. He is that he has that strength. He has that dribbling to be able to control the ball in a, like a Casemiro position. Yes, yes, and and it's it's good. I, I just took a look at uh, at uh, the, some analysis that, as a reminder, that Perisic has previously played the left back, and he played he's played in the in the three different positions on the left side, yeah. and he's been tested as being on on a, on, a, on, a, on a center forward as well before. So um, so yeah, uh, I, I I don't know it was playing with Belgium. Um, maybe Dalek is going to be thinking of a more stable uh, formation um, because he, you don't want to risk it with Belgium, especially having world-class finishers. Um, right, right. I don't think Croatia has. I don't think Croatia has good finishers. Uh, their midfield are general. You know, all the all the midfield they they do score a lot of goals uh, generally and nice goals too. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially this year, Perisic has been scoring goals. So, so that's the that's most of the strength. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. Well, uh, Croatia's top player scorer is Perisic, and he has 14 goals in the internationally speaking. And so, even though he is 33 year old, 33 year old, we can still see him. You know, uh, sorry, it's 32 goals in 115 games, 14 at the World Cup. So we will be seeing him, you know, giving a hard time for obviously team, the, as you brought up the games that they'll have be playing, which is the the first one against Morocco, then Canada, then Belgium, and, and so having Perisic in that position, I think is going to be really really important for uh, 
Croatia. He was he was a he was uh Conte had specifically asked that he needs Perisic. He've worked with him before with Inter. Um also yeah, Perisic and Brozovic uh be, being the fact that they played together previously in internationally and uh with it with Inter club wise, so that's an advantage as well. And a lot of them are veterans of the team, so they know each other. So there's a lot of advantages that Croatia and Belgium has in this group. The fact that they play together. I think I think uh, Belgium and Croatia do have the the advantage more than Morocco and Canada. Definitely. Um, so a quick uh, World Cup history for them. This is their sixth appearance. Uh, they've made it to the finals, obviously, as we've seen in the last edition of the World Cup. Uh, they did lose in the end to France, but uh, yeah, the notes definitely um, it's definitely a team that we can see coming back to the World Cup scene. For sure, and uh, producing a lot. And of last World Cup, nobody, nobody even uh, guessed that Croatia were going to make it to the final, oh, yeah, yeah. and they were very close of winning the, the 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 final. They performed amazingly, of course, you know, and especially that Modric got the best player in the world that year. Uh, and he also, yeah, he he's a Ballon d'Or winner. You know, he broke the he broke the chain of uh, Messi and Ronaldo. Always you continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just became Modric who won it. And so you know, he is a Champions League winner. He is a La Liga winner. So we can see that that veterancy, that experience, will definitely help Croatia or leading Croatia into at least the the, second, the next round. For sure, definitely, Modric is is one of a kind, unbelievable. I is one of you know a lot of people don't even watch watch soccer. Uh, they enjoy those kind of players. Like that's the reason why you watch soccer in the first place to see people are geniuses when when it comes to the ball like Modric you know I haven't seen player like him in a long time um, coming out of Europe but yeah it's it's unbelievable all right then let's move on to the last team of the group uh, the North African uh, stars uh, ranked number 22nd in the world uh, Morocco second best team in Africa after Senegal yeah uh, now Ranking wise, ranking wise, not anything else. Because oh, Africa's yeah. gonna jump on me. Yeah, so I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> now let's look at their squad. And uh, before we even look at the players, I want to look at the coach, uh, Regaragui. Uh, what Regaragui, is Regaragui? Yeah, he's uh, Regaragui, yeah. he he's 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 a new coach. He's due to the international scene. He's only been playing with. He's only been coaching the team for three months, I believe now, or two months after the last coach was fired uh you know he's brought on he's brought back uh, uh ziech after his uh, uh removal of the team due to missing a game in the friendlies do you have any thoughts on that before we get started with the squad will this have an effect on the moroccan team so uh the interesting story is uh before uh, before walid uh, ragrugi taken over it was Khalil it was Khalil um, I, I'm trying to remember his last name Mihailovic or I can't remember first name was Khalil he I think he was a Bosnian coach I think I think yeah. so um, so what happened was that uh, he took over Morocco for quite some time and there was a, two key players that he didn't want on his team there's a lot of politics involved in it yeah. so he didn't want Zayash and he didn't want uh, Mazrawi Right, so he didn't want those two players, and there was a lot of questions around him. Now he wasn't, you know, media-wise, he's being pressured and asked, "Why don't you want those players?" He's like, "It's I'm leading the team, I'm the one that makes the decision, so you know, there's no one that can hold them back." 
So, and they 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 gave him that space of for him to choose. Like, you know, you and I know how politics would work in some some Arab countries or some African countries generally, uh, when they try to push certain players to favor the national team, and they don't give that choice of, of to the coach where he chooses a team, right? Yeah. That that wasn't there for him in Morocco. He had that freedom of choice of choosing who are the players that he wants to play with. Everyone was shocked, of course, that he didn't have Mizrawi and Zayash. Now, Mizrawi might not be known to a lot of a lot of people, but Zayash was, and he was he was doing amazing in, in the uh, in the Netherlands with him being with Ajax before moving to Chelsea and after moving to Chelsea. Now, that page being folded and now getting Ragrugi, who was with that with that's uh, previous coach with with that. Uh, uh, from Casablanca in uh, in Morocco, yeah, he brought he brought the same tactics to. Uh, they said that he made a copy of of Widad with the uh, national team. They're playing nicely, more relaxed, um, and um, and uh, and he's been tested with two games against Chile and Paraguay uh, as a test friendly games, of course. So these two games showed what kind of tactics that he has. Um, and I think, and I think the most important thing that Moroccans are probably proud of are having a local coach, a Moroccan coach leading the Moroccan national team. And I think that's a very good advantage because having someone locally from your own country, especially in not uh, forget about clubs, especially internationally, right. uh, there's a bigger push for Definitely. players and another another a bigger push for the coach in a different way because the coach will say. I'm building a legacy for my own country. I'm not being paid just the fact that I'm being paid and doing my job. You know what I mean? So, no, there's, so there's definitely going to be advantage. There's go- definitely going to be an- advantages for Ragrugi, and you know, you know, obviously that one, the first one would be language barrier, uh, and that's just out the window now. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, being it's because some, some, uh, you will have. Uh, I think I think generally, and I don't I don't think generally that issues there for Morocco. I'm not sure because there are some teams where there is that when they that some of them might not speak the language of the country because of the fact that they were born outside and all that. There is that little bit there, but I think generally French, of course Arabic first. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, go, so it's, it's Arabic English and then French. French. And I'm pretty sure most of those players speak either. Yeah, one yeah, or they both do. Yeah. you know, I thought, you know, because Bono was, you know, born in Montreal and he was, he, he grew up outside and and all that. So I was thinking that, oh, did he, you know, I was just thinking that maybe, maybe he might know the, that much Arabic because that's his mentality. But I did but see an born? interview with him. But yeah. no, but I did see an interview. But he's, he's no, no, he's, he does, he does speak Arabic. He's a speaker. Oh, yeah. All yeah. right, right. And um, as you mentioned, Bono, uh, the first goalkeeper for. Uh, the Moroccan team, uh, the Sevilla player, obviously. Uh, obviously, after that, we have Monir and Tarnuti uh, in as backup. Is is, is he? Uh, is Monir or Bonuno is the or Bonu the first player or the first keeper? Let me check. Can you? You know what? We'll check it after. But uh, for 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 Widad, for yeah, Al Wahda is uh, the Saudi Arabian team. No, uh, for Tagnuti, yeah, let me check actually. Yeah, you can go on with the defenders, and then I'll, I'm going to check the uh, yeah. Tagnuti. So, uh, we have in defense Seis, uh, uh, Benuni, Aguard, Hakimi, obviously Ashraf Hakimi, Nasser Mazrawi, Eliamak, Jabrani, and Dari. And you know, right there we see, like you mentioned earlier, Mazwari, Mazrawi, very important player to have. And then obviously one of the, I, I believe, one of the best defenders currently, Ashraf Hakimi. Uh, yeah, so going back to the point that Tegnuti, yeah, Tegnuti does start with uh, Widad, and Widad, uh, in my opinion, is a better team than Al Wahda. 
Uh, oh, obvious, obvious. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. There's no there's no question about that one. Yeah, yeah. With that is a, is a is a constantly challenged team in the in the in, in Morocco with a lot of strong Moroccan teams and of course in the in the uh in, in Africa generally with that is one of the yeah. top teams of course. Um you know you know the 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 a point that I wanted to point out is that you know that the uh, athletic uh, the 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 athletic the famous um uh, uh magazine uh, rated the Mazraoui and the Hakimi the best left and right backs in the World Cup. Believe it or not, really. So, and, yeah. now I'm not surprised, really, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to Hakimi, because we've seen Hakimi play for the Real Madrid. We've seen him play with Paris Saint Germain. We've seen him play with, I believe it was Inter Milan before he was. Uh, yeah. Was Inter- yeah. And we did, 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 did the season with, with Inter. Yeah. And the, he he was a great player, all rounded player, great defense, uh, and so the. I don't expect less, to be honest. Yeah, look, I, I've seen Hakimi. Uh, he's, of course, he's a starter with uh, PSG. Uh, Masrawi, unfortunately, is not always a starter with Byron. He does have a lot of competition uh, when it comes to Byron, but him as starting, f- uh, but generally, he is subbed a lot in a lot of games. So yeah. uh, Ninglesman does depend on him. And Masrawi is a very, very, very good um, uh, player. And uh, I'm really glad that I'm I'm finally being able to see world class left back and right back, highly respected in the biggest teams in Europe, uh, for Africans generally and Arabs generally. It's it's a very very good uh, very uh, good uh, asset for the national team, and both of them, you know, they 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 they're of course they're very very fast and they're going to be helping their offense a lot, and them right. being there, um, are is going to help out a lot offensively to the to attackers in the midfield. All right. Um, let's move on to the next uh, group, which is the midfielders. Uh, starting off with uh, Chelsea's Hakim Ziyech, uh, Amar Rabat, uh, Amallah, Cher, Sabiri, Harit, Atiyatullah, Unahay, and Al-Khanous. Sorry, Al-Khanous. And right there, you know, we see players like uh, Hakim Ziyech, Amar Rabat, who I really admire as a player. Uh, Harith, I mean Harith. Really oh, I mean Harith. I mean Harith. He does the wonders with Marcel. He <laughs> is uh, he is amazing, man. Uh, watching him play for Marcel in the in the, in the Champions oh, League, yeah. and the, he's he's amazing. And I'm glad that he uh, chose to play for Morocco because don't forget the fact that a lot of those players, uh, uh, being the fact that they're born and raised uh, in in Europe, they do have the option of playing for the Netherlands. I know that the Zayash. With a lot of uh, over the years, the challenge, the fact that they approached him in the Netherlands to play for Morocco. I mean, Harris, the fact that he was able to play for, for France. But I'm I'm glad that he chose to play for his, uh, you know, his 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 origins and strengthen uh, Morocco and to strengthen the African teams generally. So those yeah. two talents are unbelievable in, in the midfield, um, and they're going to strengthen. We're going to look, of course, at the projected uh, formation so we can see what kind of strength they have, of course. All right, let's go to the attackers. We have Bufal, Hamadallah, Nasseri, uh, Abu Khalal, uh, Chidira, and uh, Zalzuli. Uh, familiar names here with Abu Bufal, obviously. Uh, you know, Nasseri with Sevilla. We can see here that there's going to be uh, some kind of strike, some kind of strike force with the Moroccan team, especially with Hakim Ziyech, you know, coming in. Uh, there's a player that you forgot. Uh, maybe he's not known to a lot of people, but he's a machine, the goal scorer machine, uh, Hamadullah. 
Hamadullah with Etihad, he played for Al Nasser, of course. Al Nasser, there's a lot of drama that happened with him in Saudi Arabia. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's known like there's a lot of always drama around him. He got that Cristiano Ronaldo factor where he says few words and does things. He does have that factor in him. But I'm glad that he got called up uh, to the national team. Um, look, this this man, he is uh, he's he's a he's a he's a top world class goal scorer. It's unfortunate that he didn't go up to go to Europe, but uh, he's a guy that to watch for not that not a lot of uh, uh, teams will be familiar with, um, uh, or a lot of players will be familiar with. But they are familiar with Nasiri. Uh, who plays for Sevilla? He's he's been starting before. I've seen him this season coming off the bench a lot of times. Uh, you know, generally Sevilla have been haven't been performing well, but Anusir is a very very good young uh, striker. Uh, Zuli is injured, coming off injury. He was at Sassona, of course. Uh, he was with Barcelona. I'm not sure if he's in loan from uh, from from Barcelona to Sassona, or he's been sold. I'm not sure. But he is on, uh, he is on, no, he is on loan. Yeah. He is on loan. Okay, so uh, you know. They're holding off the talent, and uh, Buffal. We've seen him in the in the Premier League. Uh, Buffal is that skillful player, right? He's the guy that loves to play around and goes up and down, and and uh, you know he he does the, he he loves doing Ronaldinho stuff. So <laughs> uh, so they have that mixture. They have that uh, traditional striker like Hamadullah. Uh, they have Al who can do the same thing as Hamadullah, but he has that skill that he can go on the sides. We're gonna look at the projected actually. Let me uh, pull up the, yeah, yeah, pull up the projected. Let me now, look at the way. And while you're looking at for the projected, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be Morocco's sixth appearance in the World Cup. Their last appearance, obviously, was in 2018, where they lost in the group stage uh, to Iran. Uh, they did tie Spain. They lost to Portugal. So you know that's almost a similar group to what we have now. Um, so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see if they can change the outcome, unlike the last edition. And obviously, the the best they've done in the World Cup is reaching the round of 16. Uh, yes, um, uh, there are a lot of high hopes on 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 the team. Uh, the team are pretty young, right? So that's an advantage. Uh, if you look at the projected, uh, yeah, I remember that Bruno and Nasiri they're together in Sevilla, right? So yeah. uh, you might see uh, the. That Allison Salah style goal, huh? where Bruno might pass the ball to the Syrian, tell him to run. They might be practicing that with uh, with uh, uh, with uh, in Sevilla. You never know. So there is that advantage, of course, the chemistry between the striker and the goalkeeper. And even even the last World Cup, I remember Abel Rabat. You know, like he was a wonderful player to watch. Uh, even after the World Cup, you know, I always I was uh, I always liked watching him play. He was such a great player. I'm about to place for. Let me try to remember. I'm trying to remember which Fiorentina. Uh, Fiorentina, okay. He plays for Fiorentina, okay. Uh, well, of course, as an asset, Italian mentality, um, you know, that's going to be good with uh, with a defensive mentality, of course. Um, a lot of strength. Look, look at the look at the three. Uh, look at Mazraoui and Hakimi on the two sides, and look at the strikers. So, yeah. so Mazraoui and Hakimi are always up forward and helping out the forward and having Zayash, Zayash might be the same as we said before as De Bruyne and Neymar where he's going to be fluid because uh, he's uh, he he does play as a, as he can do a, a number 10 as well not just as a, as, a, as a winger on the right side, he can do also a number 10 as a playmaker uh, below Nseri and Buffal Buffal loves being uh, on the sides and coming on, you know like uh, Vinicius Jr who loves to uh, run fast and just 
cuts through from the sides. That's what Buffon loves doing. And he has beautiful goals, of course, with uh, when he was in the Premier League. I'm trying to remember the team that he played for, but when he was in the Premier League, I do remember him shining. I was hoping for him to go to a, even a bigger club than he was playing for, but yeah, he still has uh, time in his career, of course. Right. And, um, no, I could, you know, with Hakimi, obviously, taking on that right that right, uh, right back position, uh, he's going to be, I can see that he will be moving up a little bit. But uh, I think that maybe with the Rekrugri, uh, he's going to start maybe holding him back a little because uh, they're going to need that defense, especially with games against Croatia, games against uh, uh, the game against uh, Belgium. And, and so they're going to be concentrating on that defense a little bit, especially against Belgium, you know, because the, when you have players like Kevin De Bruyne and Mertens and, you know, such a, such a big, uh, a long list of players, you're going to have to focus on that defense and hope to God that ZH or Buffal or Nusayri, you know, will hand one in the back of the net. Um, look, I do, I, I do see that, uh, actually, on the other hand, I do see that, uh, 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 teams like uh, Croatia and uh, Belgium might might have an issue playing with Morocco because you remember how I was telling you before that the uh, the high age uh, average in Belgium, which also applies as to Croatia, um, can be a disadvantage is because when you have a lot of young players, especially that Mazrao and Hakimi, uh, on times where a lot of those players are tired towards, you know, the, and on the second half, they might take advantage when all the players are up and you might see him running from the sides and uh, Noseri, you know, running up forward or one of these guys might uh, be, uh, uh, you know, um, assisting on a goal. So uh, their speed on the sides might make a difference of Morocco winning games. So that's going to be an issue. How are they? How is a, a team like Belgium playing 3-4-3 uh, uh, three, three, uh, going to be able to uh, defend against Mazraoui and Hakimi? And, uh, okay, you hold off on Mazraoui and Hakimi, um, and you try to hold off on Nasseri, and then you got Ziyash and Bufal. <laughs> so it's going to be an issue. It is going to be an issue. And then, yeah. and then you're going to have, and I'm sure that this this might be the formation that uh, Regurugi is going to start up with. But on the second half, you might see Hamadullah coming. And Hamadullah is that Jekyll, Jekyll with Inter style of player. Give, right, him right. A, give him a chance, he'll score. So... Uh, I, th- I, I see a diverse formation of Morocco experience with... Uh, he does have a player for every position, unlike other teams where they might be lacking in certain weaknesses. I don't see a lot of weaknesses for Morocco. Maybe people, maybe you will see some saying that uh, uh, their centre-backs might not be uh, as strong. Okay, it might be a valid point. Maybe they're midfield, but no, I do see them as being a strong t- a team. But of course, Vergrug is going to have to do a lot of work, of course, on uh, on uh, stricting tactically. Yeah, right. And I think uh, I think Morocco, uh, like Canada here, is going to be the unexpected team. And so you know, this is what makes this group so good is that you know you have these two strong teams and these two underdogs coming in. And um, and you know, to a lot of play. To teams, to teams uh, such as uh, Morocco and, uh, and 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 Belgium, uh, they're familiar with some of the Moroccan players. So right, right. it's not so they it's know not like, they, they know each other. They um, know each other, right? Yeah, Modric yeah, and Hakimi true. played before. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see who else. Uh, there are a lot. They're known. They know each other from the European scene, whether it be in Champions League or within being something else. So 
they know each other. So uh, there isn't that uh, f- that uh, anonymous factor where, oh, how is this person going to perform? I think the most anonymous team on this group is going to be Canada. They only know they only know Alfonso Davis, and some might know David uh, from uh, Lille because because of uh, uh, the players that play in um, in the French league, such Champions as in Morocco and other or, yeah. and other teams. Yeah. Right. All right. So Morocco will be playing their first game against Croatia. It'll be 5 a.m. Standard Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Uh, their second game against Belgium, and then their last game against Canada. And as we said about against Can- when Canada plays that game, when Morocco plays that game, they're going to be looking for those three those three points because to them those are the easiest ones that they could capture. Yes, definitely. And as I said for Canada, I think a lot of that game is really going to depend a lot on uh, on how well Morocco and how well Canada will perform in the first two games, which are going to be against Belgium, Croatia. If Canada plays Croatia, Morocco is going to play Belgium vice versa so when they right. play each other in the final game that might be you know what i wouldn't be surprised if that game will be the best of that group because they'll be fighting for the three points hey, for sure um so that that is it for group i believe f as before we leave everybody off uh, what, what what's your prediction on this one who's going to move up to the next stage and who's going to go home early uh well can you see that i i think that it could be belgium and you know maybe Morocco, I think that's that's where I would stand. Uh, you, know, you, don't, that, you don't you don't think uh, Croatia might do something on this group? I it's I'm I'm going to be sad about it because I would love to see Modric and Kovacic uh, advance the next round. But I think that I think that the the Croatian squad is a, isn't one that is that I can see going, especially with that age dif- with that high age average. Um, it's gonna, um, I think they're going to struggle against you know a younger team like the like the Moroccan team, who's going to have that youth you know uh, not only youth but experience. Uh, a lot of those players are experienced on the world stage. Honestly, I have a feeling that we're going to be shocked with Belgium leaving from the group stage, okay. and I I can see Morocco and Croatia making it from this group. It's it's unfortunate that I'm saying that because of Canada. Mm-hmm. Canada wanted to qualify, but I, I do, I do see that Morocco is a, is a strong team, man. I really do think that Morocco will do something in this World Cup. Croatia, um, you know, we don't need, you know, Croatia's mentality. We don't need to be convinced that they can do that. They, they're, they're a very, they're a very, uh, uh, a very good team when it comes to sticking to tactics and uh, being able yeah. to, uh, you know, like I can see Croatia following the tactics 100% more than I can see that happening uh, with Belgium, for example. I'm giving you two world-class right. teams that were in the top second and third spot last World Cup, of course. Yeah, don't know. And I could see your point, but I don't know. I think I, f- I feel like the uh, I mean I feel like the Belgium team is a much stronger team, and that they're going to take advantage. They're going to try to take advantage of every single thing that they can that they can get, especially in this group stage. Uh, you know, players like Kevin De Bruyne are going to be so crucial. Uh, and so um, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, do you have anything else before uh, we call it for this group? Uh, well, um, I hope the best for Canada. I hope the best for Morocco. These are the two teams I'm cheering for, I'll be honest with you. Uh, oh, for sure. Than, yeah. Uh, but I do like a lot of players with Belgium as well. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I hope I hope that well, you know what it's World Cup. I want to enjoy it. You know. Really All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Um, make sure to like, subscribe, and share. 
as well as uh, you can find us on, I think you said all the platforms such as Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.com, and a bunch of other ones. Um, and, I think you'll find the list below. Um, but uh, I'm going to call it a night here. Uh, That's that, man. All, all right, everyone, right. thank you very much for listening and adios. Have a good day or night, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs>